Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubim. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it into the house of Abinadab brought it out of the house of Abinadad that was at Gibeah. And Uzzah and Iowa, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new ark, or the new cart, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, and accompanied the ark of God. Aioah went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his heir. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord made a breach between Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Paris Uzzah to this day. I want you to notice... But the Bible says in verse 6, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And I just want to speak for the next few moments from this subject, maybe a little unusual, but uh, just give me a few moments to explain what I feel to preach tonight. I want to talk about potholes on the path to promise. Potholes on the path to promise. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray that God would have his way. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? We're asking you to have your way in this service. We're praying, Lord, that you would touch minds and hearts in this place. Give us a breakthrough of the Holy Ghost upon every individual and every life that is in need of your touch here this evening. We thank you, God, for the ability to be here tonight. We want to receive what you have for us in this place. In Jesus' name, would you give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord? Come on, let's lift him up. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you mingle your voice with it as you clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Potholes. We do our best to avoid them. Yet, it's inevitable we find ourselves driving into them from time to time. Sometimes we drive into them while we're dodging another. Potholes are are certainly a problem. They, they can cause damage. They can flatten a tire. They can bend rims, and they can even cause significant damage to the suspension of an automobile. However, they are one of the many risks that we have to learn to manage as we journey on life's roads. I suppose a person could stay home, make no progress, go nowhere, and choose to just stay in one place. But we all understand that potholes are a part of life. And that if you're going to journey, if you're going to travel, especially on particular roads that are in northern states or where weather is inclement, you just understand that that's a part of the risk. That's just part of the journey. There's going to be potholes to try to avoid, and then even in endeavoring to avoid them, there's going to be the occasional time when you hit one of them head on. I traveled many years, and and uh, of course, when you're traveling with a trailer or pulling a large load, uh, potholes can be even more significant when it comes to trouble and difficulty. First of all, when you have all of your belongings in an RV and you're traveling down the road, if you hit a pothole, all of those things that you had so neatly put up find themselves, the cabinets can be emptied, all of the shelves and things maybe that were seemingly so secure can be emptied out on the floor. And you have to, to put everything and arrange everything and put it back in its place after the trip is over. Uh, because of uh, the roads sometimes in the mountains and mountain passes, remember on one occasion we were traveling over the grapevine, which is between Bakersfield and Los Angeles, and high up in those mountains, I don't know, that had a, a severe uh, winter, there had been snow up high in the mountains that had been on the ground for many weeks, maybe even months, and there was significant potholes that were there. Matter of fact, there were potholes that you could run a Volkswagen off in and probably never, never find it again, or at least it seemed that way. And I remember uh, a truck driver pulling up beside me and he was indicating that something was wrong with the RV that I was pulling and I didn't realize it but through running into one of those potholes we had broken a leaf spring on that trailer and it was it was flapping on the ground and sparks were flying up and basically one of the axles of the trailer on one side was just floating with nothing with nothing holding it a very dangerous situation, especially when you're on six and a half grades coming down out of a mountain pass. It can be a real problem and be a safety issue. But uh, that is a part of the, 
that is a part of the journey. That is a part of the risk that we have to mitigate when we, when we set out to go to a particular destination. We're going to have to deal with potholes. But never in my life have I ever seen anyone that understood that that we're going to we're going to have to travel and we're going to have to make progress. I've never seen anyone camp out by a pothole. I've seen people have flats. I, I've seen people have damage as a result of rough roads, but I've never seen anyone completely stop and say, "I can't go any further. I'm just going to stay here." And memorialize this place. And I'm just going to let this be the end of me pressing on towards my destination. But most of us realize that if there's a flat that needs to be changed. If there's some damage that needs to be repaired. I've got to make progress. And I'm not going to let the pothole keep me from making progress towards my destination. Can I tell you that every person in this place has a particular purpose and destiny that God has called you to? And can I tell you, not always is it the attack of the enemy, but sometimes it's just life and life circumstances and things that we have to go through. Not that the devil doesn't try to take advantage of those situations. Not that the enemy doesn't try to step in in your weak moments and and assert himself and, and again take advantage of those moments. But can I tell you that we need to make up our minds that I'm not going to allow this to stop my progress. I am going to see the promises of God fulfilled in my life. I know that there is a purpose. I know that there is a destination. That God has a destiny and plan in mind for me that every person that God has a direction that He has set for their life. And, and we have to press on. We have to be determined at times to do that. And make up our mind that we're not going to let anything deter us. We're not going to let anything discourage us. Disappointments may come. Things that we didn't expect may come along. There, there are certain things on the journey that we didn't plan for. But nevertheless, we all can make heaven our home. And we all can see God move and work and use us for His glory in our lives. You don't have to simply just exist. You don't have to just survive in your relationship with God. But I believe you can live the blessed life. I believe that you can live a life that is pleasing unto God, that you have the favor of God and, and the touch of God upon your life, a, a life that is filled with joy, a life that is filled with peace, a, a life that is filled uh, with the glory of God. I believe that is God's intention for every person under the sound of my voice tonight. Do you believe that? If you believe it, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord right now. But there is going to be things that's going to happen. There, there is going to be some, some issues along the way. I was, it was brought to my attention a young evangelist that is really being used of God of late. And the hand of God is, is obvious and apparent upon his life. I didn't know his backstory. All I knew was that he was anointed. He was he, he had a, a heavy hand of God's favor upon him. And God was really 
using him in great ways and and revival was coming through his ministry and and uh, as I began to learn more about this young man, I found out just in the last couple of days that his family was in their home one evening, and there was a fire that started, I guess, in the attic of the home, unbeknownst to them. And as that fire began to rage through the, the house and through that structure, they did not realize it until it was almost too late. He and his family not only lost all of their possessions, the firemen said that in seven minutes the house went from being a full uh, structure, undamaged, until this fire started and it was consumed. Seven minutes it was totally disintegrated. Just in that short period of time there was a total loss. But the tragic thing was is that not all of them made it out. The evangelist young boy was in that home and was unable to make it out of the fire and was consumed in the fire. And uh, I I noted the anointing that was there, but I did not realize that there was a heavy cost in his life or the relationship that he had with God. He said it was after this time, this is his testimony, that I, I, didn't, I didn't have any concerns for other things. But my only desire is to make heaven to see my son again. And though this was a great setback in my life, there's things that I used to be preoccupied with that doesn't matter to me at all anymore. But I want to please God. I want to serve the Lord. Here's a young man and his wife that could have said, this is it. I give up this tragedy. This situation is more than I can bear. More than I can live through and survive. But they made up their minds that we're not going to stay in this place, but we're going to allow the Lord to continue to use us. We're going to be what God has called us to be and purposed us to be, and we're going to press on and do something in the kingdom of God of significance. Can I preach to you? You can't allow the potholes and the disappointments of life to steal and destroy the promise of God and what God has called you to do and distract you away from what God has intended for you. Oh, somebody give him some praise right now. This particular story, David, David was desiring to do something that his predecessor had never done. His predecessor was content to live without the glory of God in the possession of the Israelites. In other words, uh, though it might have been among the Israelites, it was not really in its rightful place. It was not in a place of prominence. It was not, it was not regarded as sacred. It was not something that was respected. It was not something that was really significant to Saul at all. In fact, uh, the Bible says that it existed in the house of Abinadab for some 20 years. Throughout the reign of Saul, it it was never really respected or showed honor towards. Can you imagine during that time as the priests were going about their duties... Fulfilling their responsibilities. 
doing what they were supposed to do as acting ministers between God and the people. Yet they did not have the Ark of the Covenant in their possession. It was not there. They did not have the glory of God because it was the Ark of God that signified the glory of God that dwelt between the cherubims. And so, in essence, they did not have the presence of the Lord. And they did not have the touch of God in their midst. They were trying and endeavoring to have church without the anointing, if you will. Without the presence of the Lord. Without that, it was all just a formality. It had all been reduced to something that was weak and powerless and was ineffective and unable to change anybody's life. I'm going to tell you it's a sad thing. And there is really nothing deader than and any more hopeless than a Pentecostal church or a so-called Pentecostal church that has lost its anointing. That has lost the favor of God and the presence of God. Either because of lack of consecration or lack of real desire and concern. And you've got to have both. First of all, you've got to have a hunger. You've got to have a desire. You've got to have a concern for the things of God. There's got to be something within you that says, I want God to move in my life. I want God to move in my family. I want God to move in my church. I'm not going to be satisfied with just a sterile religion. I'm not going to be satisfied with just going through the regiment and the motions. But I want a move of the Lord. I want a touch of the Holy Ghost. I've got to see the power of God. Amen. It's not enough just to call ourselves spirit-filled. We've got to be spirit-filled. It's not enough just to call ourselves a Holy Ghost church. we got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. It's not enough just to say that we're apostolic. we got to be apostolic. And apostolic see a move of the Lord. Apostolic see miracles, signs, and wonders. That's what I read about in the book of Acts. Revival and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. These are things that are familiar with true apostolic. Come on, I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you a true apostolic? Are you just a wannabe apostolic? Are you just an apostolic in title? Are you just one that wants to claim to be apostolic? But do you have a hunger? Do you have a concern in your heart? God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your power. I'm not content with just coming and going week after week and nobody being renewed in the Holy Ghost. Nobody being filled. No Nobody being baptized in the waters of baptism. No miracles taking place. Nobody being restored and regenerated by the power of God. Hey, I'm not content with that. I'm not satisfied with that. I must have a move of the Holy Ghost in my life. Come on, am I alone tonight? Am I the only one that feels that way in this house tonight? Or is there somebody that will join with this pastor and say, I feel exactly the way you feel. I'm not just content just to come to church, but if I'm going to go through the trouble of getting here, I want to see God move in a miraculous way. I want to see the glory of God come down in a powerful manner. I want to be able to walk away with this testimony that God is a healer. That God is a way maker. That God is able to do exactly what his word says he can do. 
We got too many people in this age that is willing just to go to church and put their time in and leave in the same condition, holding on to the same cares, burdened by the same burdens, under the same load that they came with. That's not the will of God. That's not the purpose of the church. This is a place where we come in contact with Him that is able, that is able to change our lives. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship Him right now. Let's give praise to Him right now. Come on, I told you, when we moved over here, we may be in a new building, we may have fancy things in this place, but there's one thing that we'll never be able to replace, we'll never find a substitute for, that'll always remain the same as long as I'm the pastor and leader of this church, is we'll always be dependent upon the Spirit of God. I don't care how many lights you get, I don't care how great of a program you have, we gotta have the power, we gotta have the anointing, we gotta have have the glory. We need the Spirit of the Lord to destroy the yoke. We need God to move. We need miracles to happen. We need a church that is alive with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Him some praise right now. And it all starts with a desire. It all starts with a holy hunger. It all starts with a true appetite that says, God, I need you. I don't have it, but you have it. I, amen, have surrendered and yielded to whatever it is that you desire to do in my life. Somebody give him a wave offering across this building right now. Oh, yes. Praise God. Praise God. David said, Saul, you may have been content to have church without an ark. You may have been content to have church without the glory. You may have been content to have church without the presence of God. But I don't want formality. I don't want just to go through the motions. I don't want just a label. I don't want to just be able to say that I'm a part of God's chosen people and not have his favor and blessing upon my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not going to be much longer. I feel the Holy Ghost that's in this place right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord right now in this house. And and so, his desire was to bring that ark to Jerusalem, which he had made his capital city for which he would rule the kingdom, the nation of Israel from. And so, he makes... Because he had witnessed the Philistines and knew about how they had moved and transported the ark on a cart. He said, I guess that's the way that you move the ark. And he made a cart that was nailed together by men. And he put these fellows that had been in the presence of it and been around it for so long that they had grown contemptible towards it. Too familiar with it. I'm going to tell you, this can never lose its sacredness. This can never lose its awe. You never need to let this lose its wonder in your life. You never need to allow yourself to get to the place that that you lose the thrill of Pentecost. Oh, yeah. 
Come on, I know we get all dignified, and I know we, we look pretty good in here tonight, but I'm just telling you, when you first got the Holy Ghost, you, you, you had a desire, you had a burning zeal, you weren't so concerned about what people said about your worship. You weren't so worried about, uh, amen, what, what the person down the pew is going to think if you lifted your hands uh, or if you got a little bit too loud. You weren't concerned about somebody making fun if you leap for joy every once in a while. You, you weren't concerned if somebody think you as a Bible thumper if you got on your feet uh, and said amen to the preaching of the Word of God. You just was in love with this. You just, you just had a desire, amen, to draw closer to God. You know, the preaching, it it was something that you hungered for. The presence of God, it was something that you longed to be in. Amen. When you come to the house of God, you worshiped with abandonment. When you come to the house of God, the focus was not on fellowship. The focus was not on seeing friends. But you wanted to see your best friend. You wanted to come in the presence of the Lord. And you wanted Him to influence your life. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, somebody give him some praise. He said, I, I want to bring, I don't really know how to do this, but, but I never really have seen it done other than by the Philistines. But he, he said, uh, we're going to bring it. We're going to have these fellas, these two sons of Abinadab, they're going to bring it. Us in Iowa. And they're going to bring it. And they begin to drave the ark, the Bible says, and they came to Nacon's threshing floor. And evidently there was a rough spot. There was a pothole, if you will, in the road. And that cart wheel went off in that depression in the road and caused those oxen to stumble. You understand the weight of the Ark of the Covenant was not a light thing because it was overlaid with gold. And gold's a very heavy material, metal. And so it was overlaid with gold. It was a very heavy thing. And so the burden of that. I'm going to tell you, this is not a light thing we're involved in. People that are just carefree and, you know, uh, what it is. And, and, and uh, we're just uh, careless about it and, and casual about it. Uh, I'm going to tell you, that's not how a real revival comes. You gotta be intentional about a revival. You gotta be intentional about a move of God. You gotta get your focus right. You gotta harness yourself to this. You, you gotta make up your mind. This is not gonna be a light thing. This may take days of fasting. This may take hours of prayer. This may take faithfulness and consecration. Amen. And aligning my flesh to the will and the purpose of God. This may take submission that I'm unfamiliar with. But whatever it takes, it's gonna be worth it if I have revival. Whatever it takes it's going to be worth it if i have a move of god in my life oh yes come on anybody believe that right now so the oxen stumbled in Uzzah without even really thinking because i mean after all he'd been around this thing 20 years of his life he reaches out to steady the ark and a breach is made upon him by god And the Lord smote him, the Bible says, and he died. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about all the details that led up to this and all the things that are going on. But the Bible says that David was wroth. David was confused. David 
could have allowed this disappointment and this discouragement and the guilt and the shame that was associated with it. He could have let this shut down the whole enterprise of bringing the ark of the Lord and the presence of the Lord back to Jerusalem. He could have let this finish him, if you will. He could have let this end the whole proposition of bringing the presence of the Lord to Jerusalem. But he said, I refuse to allow this to be the final say. I refuse to allow this situation to be the end. I refuse to let this be the final chapter of the story. He moved the ark of the covenant into the house of Obed-Edom. And there it rested for three months. And during that period of time, the Bible said the house of Obed-Edom was blessed beyond measure. And a word came to David about the blessings that were upon the house of Obed-Edom. And he got so hungry for those blessings for himself. He said, I'm not just going to allow it to exist there. I want the whole nation of Israel, the whole house of Israel, if you will. I want them to experience these blessings also. And so, while others would have given in and said, I'm not going to try or attempt to do this again, let me just point this out, that sometimes in your quest for things in God, if there's failure, or if you fall short, or if you don't come up with what you desire from God, don't give up just because you prayed one time and it didn't happen. Or you endeavored one time and it didn't take place. It didn't go like you planned it to go. It didn't happen like you wanted it to happen. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes you got to make up your mind. I'm just going to try again. I may have failed. I may have made a mistake. There may be voices that say, I shouldn't attempt to do this anymore. That one man cost his life and isn't one man's life enough. Why would you try to do this again? But David said, no, no, no. If God can bless the house of Obed-Edom. He can bless every house in Israel. If God, there's got to be a way. I'm going to do whatever's necessary. In other words, he did not allow this pothole in his life to cause him to quit pursuing the promise of God. The presence of God. What am I trying to say? You have to make up your mind. Nothing's going to destroy my desire. Nothing's going to kill my desire. Nothing's going to vanquish my desire. I'm going to keep my desire to serve God alive. I've said this a, a hundred times as the pastor of this church. And if there's one thing that is my mantra, there is, there's a lot of things that a pastor can do. A pastor can encourage you. He can give you wise counsel. He can be anointed to teach and preach to you. But there's one thing he cannot give you as much as he may want to. He can't give you desire to live for God. That's your choice. That's your decision. You can't make anybody live for God. But you can't keep anybody from living for God if they have a desire to live for God. If they have a determination to live for God. If they got their mind made up, I'm going to find a way. David said, I'm going to find a way to bring the ark unto me. There has to be a way. There has to be a way for my family to be saved. There has to be a way for revival to come to this city. There has to be a way for an explosive move of God to come to Landmark Pentecostal Church. There has to be a way. I'm not going to let some little disappointment keep me from letting it happen. Don't let it destroy your desire. Can I tell you that's one thing the devil is after? He's after your desire. 
Second, he took the reproof and he made the necessary corrections. You have to be willing to make the necessary adjustments and learn. You know, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, inspecting a different result. He said, there's got to be a way. And what I've already attempted has not worked. But I'm going to try something else. And I'm going to keep trying until I see the result that I'm looking for. I'm willing to make some, he began to study. He, he began to, to find out what it was going to take to transport this heart. Oh, I did it wrong. I put it on a man-made cart. You can't have the presence of God in a man-made fashion. You can't do it on a cart of wood. You, you can't build it up and, and move it the way that man would try to transport things. You have to put it on the shoulders of an anointed priest. And he has to carry the burden. He has to feel the weight of that. He has to have the pressure of that on his shoulders. There's not an easy way to do this. I know the world is looking for an easy way. They want to take and lighten the burden. They want to take away the consecration. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. That's really not all that necessary. The way you guys dress and the way you guys have consecrated yourself to the Lord is really not all that necessary. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to have the weight of God's glory, it is necessary that you consecrate yourself unto God you can't have the presence of the Lord and live in filth and live a carnal life and live according to the world you got to live according to God's word but as you consecrate yourself and you get under the weight of this the presence and the favor of God will come upon your life come on let's lift up our voices to him right now And sometimes, I would venture to say most times, in order for real revival to come, this, it re- really starts with us repenting and saying, God, I'm going to make some corrections. And a willingness to make those corrections. But I noticed something else. The Bible says in verse 12 that he brought the ark of the Lord up from the house of Obed-Edom. To Jerusalem with, what does it say? With gladness. Now you understand, this was a pretty good little journey. And they were stopping every six paces, giving sacrifice. There was a whole lot of sacrificing that was going on. And when they would get through sacrificing, David would dance before the Lord. With all of his might. That's a whole lot of energy that's expended. I mean, we know that David was a worshiper, but this right here put even him to the test. He, every six paces, and they would sacrifice, and, and then he would dance before the Lord with all of his might. But when he stepped in the city limits of Jerusalem, he didn't come with a frown on his face. He didn't come with a sorrowful spirit. He wasn't sorry for one pace. He wasn't sorry for one step. He wasn't sorry, amen, that he had given one sacrifice. He was so thankful to have the presence of God and the glory of God that he still had joy in his heart. 
Oh, the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. I'm going to tell you, all those folks that think that it's all just about being somber and there's no celebration in this and it's all just about being down and out and sad and there's no joy in it. You got it all wrong, my friend. I'm telling you, God wants us, even in consecration, to have a celebratory attitude that when we come to the house of God, I get to do this because I get to feel Him. I get to enjoy Him. I get to be in His presence. All this consecration, that's a light thing. If you only felt what I felt, if you only experienced what I experienced, if you only sensed what I said, you'd understand that it's worth it. I wonder if there's anybody in Landmark that can agree with this preacher tonight. It's worth it. It's not all tears. It's not all consecration. Sometimes it's celebration. Sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes it's shouting. We serve the Lord with gladness. Come on, stand your feet right now. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the enemy take away your joy in serving for God, serving God. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to remind you of the weight of it and the pressure of it. Oh, you have to give up. He don't want you to be reminded of everything you get when you serve God. Kind of like a friend of mine that was doing some jail ministry. And they were kind of mocking him. Grumbling around. Making light. Trying to fuss with him. He said, well, fellas, he said, you know. He said, I kind of like to stay here. But he said, they don't let me stay here like they used to. He said, I'm going to have to go home. He said, uh. Matter of fact, my wife's got some fried chicken and mashed potatoes. She said, be waiting on me when I got back to the house. And uh, I said, well, you, you, you preach about all that, that bondage and all that consecration. He said, yeah. He said, I suppose I do have some responsibilities and there's some things that I have to do. I have to mow my yard, but at least I got one to mow. I have to paint my house, but at least I got one to paint. I don't have to look at these gray drab walls in this building. Amen. Because God has blessed me that I don't stay here anymore. Hey, what he was saying is, do you get the picture? Do you understand that while there's some things that I have to do, I do it with joy because I understand what he's done for me and what I get and what I receive in return for it. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing you give to God. There's nothing you'll lay on the altar. There's nothing you'll consecrate to him. That is too much. He never asked for too much. But the thing that David refused to allow this incident to take away from him. And that he continued in until the day he started this. This is where God found him. This is how he was noticed in the first place. And this is how he kept his blessing. 
It's because David was always a worshiper. I mean, even when he became king, he said, I'll take this kingly robe off and lay it aside. I'll put on an ephod and I'll be just like any other person here. And I'll get out there with the people and I'll dance before the Lord and I'll be the leader because I'll do it with all my might. I won't expect anybody else to do more than what I do. I won't expect anybody else to worship more than I worship because there's nobody been blessed like I've been blessed. And everybody really ought to feel that way. There's nobody that God has been any better to than he's been to me. Amen. He's helped me. Amen. He's helped me to conquer. He's helped me to overcome challenges in my life. He's delivered me out of the paw of the lion and of the bear. He delivered me from the Philistine, the giant. He delivered me over and over again from every enemy that I confronted in my life. He was there. He always helped me to conquer. He always helped me to be able to overcome. That's why I can continue to dance because I know this works. I know the God who I serve is able. I know the God I serve can. I'm going to tell you, there's one thing that the devil wants to destroy in apostolic church services. Amen. He wants to steal the worship. He wants to strip the worship from Pentecost. He wants us to become so pretty and dignified that we forget, amen, that he saved us. He brought us here. He delivered us from sin. We'd still be out there. We'd still be bound. You'd still be addicted. You'd still be a sought drunk if it wasn't for God. You'd still be bound by all the things you were bound by if it wasn't for God. If it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord and the mercies of the Lord. Don't tell me that you don't have anything to praise Him for. Don't tell me you don't have anything to shout about. Don't tell me you don't have anything to leap for. Don't tell me that there's nothing to give praise unto God for. If He brought you out of the miry clay, you need to worship Him for it. You need to praise him for it. You know why the devil tries to tries his best to suppress Pentecostal worship? It's because he used to lead it in heaven. Yeah. Heaven's choir leader. He knew and understands even to this day he remembers how pleasing it is to the Lord to receive worship he knows because he stood right there at the throne of God and worshipped him himself he knows how much it pleases God And he knows that this causes God to respond and to work and to move. And this is what God loves and this is what God desires. And so if he can convince us, you know, you could be a whole lot more effective if you just settle down and calm down a little bit and, 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 you know, be dignified and 
Oh, if you, if you could understand that, you know, people are a whole lot more, they're a whole lot more comfortable. I'm going to tell you, the devil's comfortable as long as you're not worshiping God. The devil's comfortable as long. I'm going to tell you, every person in this place likely received the Holy Ghost while they were worshiping and praising the Lord. Because the Bible said he inhabits the praise. You want him to show up? You just start praising him. You start worshiping him. You start glorifying Him. And when God starts moving, the Bible says, angels desire to look into this. They want to feel what you feel and you experience. They want to know the joy that comes upon you. They want to know the peace that comes upon you. I wonder right now, would you raise your hands and let's worship Him. devil tries to stop it because he knows the potential. He knows the power. He knows what can happen. He knows what will likely take place if people of God start worshiping God like they really know how to. If they start praising God like they know how to. If somebody just lose, amen, the sense of, of what somebody else would say and start dancing before the Lord and start praising God and start magnifying Jesus. He knows he doesn't have a chance that discouragement is going to fall off of you amen that disappointment that you came in here with is going to be gone that heaviness that burden that worry that fear that doubt that unbelief it's got to go in the presence of god come on why don't some sister take another sister by the hand and why don't you praise god together come on brother Take another brother. Amen. And let's dance before the Lord a little bit together. Let's praise the Lord together.